Hey everyone, I'm Leandra Parks and I'm your host for the Hopecast today. I'm joined today by our senior pastor, David Dwight, and we're here to have a conversation about some questions and ideas about life and faith in under 30 minutes. And today we'll be talking all about the season of Lent. That was a big pause. You like took a deep breath there. Maybe that's because Lent made you think about taking a deep breath. Yes. Okay. It does. It's a it's a very spiritual time of the year. Mm-hmm. And a year where I think I reflect a lot. Mm-hmm. Lent has a lot of subtopics. Mm-hmm. So I know Ash Wednesday is one of them. Monday, Thursday mm-hmm. is one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, we come into Easter Sunday, Good Friday. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of, of subtopics when we think of the season of Lent. But I want to start off with asking the question, what is Lent? Mm-hmm. So Lent is that season, as you have remarked, that generally begins 40 days prior to Easter, not including the Sundays, which is okay. like, I hear that and I'm like, okay, that's an interesting little technicality. Um, but 40 days prior to Easter not including Sunday. So it's this 40-day period of time. It begins with Ash Wednesday, and so that's tomorrow uh, as of today's date of recording this. Mm -hmm. And Ash Wednesday, the idea of ashes, some people may be familiar with it, but others maybe not, um, is uh, the mark of repentance in the Bible. Okay. And so the mark of ashes is an expression of repentance And so I think to have a meaningful conversation about Lent, we probably want to talk a bit about repentance. What's that about? What does it mean? Yes. Isn't it sort of interesting that we have these seasons, I'll call it in the church year or the church calendar, where we kind of say, okay, we want to especially focus on certain aspects of the spiritual life, Mm -hmm. or to say it more generally or more generically, we want to pay real attention to our relationship with God. Yes. Right? And then, of course, that beckons, why do we have special seasons to say we want to pay particular attention to our relationship with God? Wouldn't we want to do that, like, every day? All the time. Of course, yeah. the answer to that is yes, we would want to do that every day. But sometimes it gives special attention, certain emphases can be helpful. So tomorrow is the beginning of Lent. It's Ash Wednesday. It leads us into this season of preparation for Good Friday, the crucifixion, Mm -hmm. and Easter Sunday. But I think it's not only about these events and like these occasions. I think what Lent is inviting us into is a setting of our hearts, Mm. and I think that's where, where the gold is in terms of our spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I know as a kid, um, growing up in, in a Methodist church, we would typically have an like the ashes, black ashes of a cross mm-hmm. on our foreheads. Mm-hmm. Now, for me as a kid, I just thought that, you know, it's something we do every year. Mm-hmm. But the older I got, I realized the significance of it. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm sure that there may be some people that is listening to us right now that don't 
really know the significance of um, the symbolization of the cross on your forehead with the ashes. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, um, but before I do, what I'm curious to know, you said from the time you were a little kid, you mm -hmm. participated in Ash Wednesday services or experiences. Yes. Um, how do you remember that feeling to you? I always thought that it was a somber time of the year. Mm -hmm. um, when when the when the ash was the cross was placed on my head. I mean, sorry, placed on my my forehead. I I think of it as um, the time where I would really reflect about certain things that I'm doing in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and and. To, to be to be honest, you know, like as a as a nine year old kid, I was very, you know, coming home, I just wanted to to wipe it off mm -hmm. and and get rid of it. However, mm -hmm. um, the older that I got and um, understood the significance of um, Ash Wednesday, I it it really put me in the the form of being more somber and understanding the importance of what we're leading up to in mm -hmm. terms of, of um, Jesus's crucifixion on the cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in various years, we have had Ash Wednesday observances here at Hope. We're not doing that this year. We will be doing a Good Friday service, uh, very similar to what we did last year which was an experience that starts at noon and goes to 3 p.m. Okay. Why we call it Good Friday is a whole nother topic. I've never known. I mean, I get it, but it's sort of you got to go around your elbow to get to your forehead on calling it Good Friday because it was such a horrible Friday. Yeah. But um, so the very first words in Jesus Christ's teaching ministry— Mm -hmm. were repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. If you want to get really lasered in, the very first word of any of Jesus Christ's teaching was repent. Now, <clears throat> when you hear that word, I think different people hear that word, and it can land differently, right? Yeah. Some people are going to say, oh, that sounds like a lot of like fire and brimstone preaching and all that kind of legalistic punitive stuff. And I can appreciate that. I think there are some places where that's the case. Um, you can be driving down the highway and see billboards and, you know, big signs that say, you know, repent of your sins and so on. Yep. Repentance is a deeply personal and deeply spiritual thing. Mm. So sometimes I think part of what we feel the scratchiness a big billboard that shouts on the side of the road in bright colors um, is very impersonal. And so to take a very personal and spiritual reality and have it be presented out there in a very impersonal way mm -hmm. can create a kind of mismatch. We just feel this kind of torque and scratchiness with it. Right. But... It is true that Jesus' first spoken word of his teaching ministry was repent. Mm. Um, John the Baptist, Jesus' six-month-older cousin, was famously known as the preacher of repentance. Mm. 
to be able to embrace repentance for the goodness and the beauty and the joy of it, which is, I think, a very significantly missing piece. I think we also um, have to understand the holiness of God. Yes. And I think we live in a culture, our day and our time and our emphases, that have become much more humanist, Mm. uh, which means we exalt human beings much more highly, which as an associated result means we will most likely reduce God. That's good. So the... The more, quote, significant or even sacred you make human beings, now there's important wording here because of the dignity and the importance of human beings, but we've talked about this, the supremacy of human beings and so on, then you're going to reduce God. And when you reduce God, then we will reduce the idea of holiness. And when we reduce the idea of holiness, repentance isn't going to mean very much to us. Because what we're going to think in a more humanist culture is, I'm a good guy, I haven't done anything egregiously wrong, why do I need to repent? Well, if we have a clear-eyed understanding of God's complete holiness, we would have a sense of how far we are from that. But when we sort of exalt human beings to a certain level, by association, we'll reduce the glory and the beauty of God. And so repentance and holiness are both going to become stranger words to us. So Ash Wednesday begins a season of Lent with an expression of repentance. Repentance. And repentance effectively is the way I am honestly expressing uh, the nature of how far my character is from the holiness of God. Mm. Okay, I'm avoiding the word sin at the moment because I don't (laughs) want to pile up all the church words. Um, Sin is the reality. Yes. Sin means missing the mark, how we are off the mark. Well, what's the mark? Biblically speaking, the mark is the character of God, which is... God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. Uh, He is perfect in every way. So when we take God seriously, we begin to see how far we are from that character of God. And if we are doing that with accurate engagement, the natural result is going to be to confess your sorrow and confess uh, the reality of the truth of our own character and uh, seek God's grace and forgiveness. So here's the beauty in repentance. One of the best phrases I can think of in the Bible that speaks to this was John the Baptist's phrase, I must decrease and he must increase. Okay, so you're seeing this inverse relationship between the the self and God. So <clears throat> it's flipping what we said before. If we increase self, we're going to, by association, decrease God. Right. John the Baptist gives us the invitation, I must decrease and he must increase. increase. Now, 
Some people would say, that sounds like you are belittling human beings. Mm. I don't look at it that way. Right. What I would say is, when we begin to be relieved of ourselves, we begin to start finding freedom and joy in ways we never could have before. Mm. So if, I, if I'm trying to increase me, I'm trying to control my life, gain stature, make my life go a certain way, that, that becomes uh, a way of living that has lots of confinements and chains on it. Mm. When I can let go of all of that, I'd be completely honest before God and appropriately so before other people, the right way with the right people, the freedom, the release, and the receiving of God's love and grace that comes with that is so joyful. Yeah. So the word repentance can sound weighty, mm-hmm. but when we understand it connected to God's grace, it's the door to our joy and our freedom. That's good. So Ash Wednesday, in a sense, is the invitation to begin this journey to the cross where Christ made our forgiveness possible when we come with repentance, and that's important, right? Because if we have no repentance, we have no sorrow, we have a disregard for God's holiness, then none of these things I'm talking about are things that we personally will experience. But Ash Wednesday means, I'm saying to God, I'm sorry for my sin. Mm. I ask for your grace and forgiveness. And I am entering this now 40-day journey with Jesus toward the gratitude and the grace for what he's done for me on the cross, and then the victory of Easter. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. What do you think are some? I I I know you you touched on some some of this topic, but what do you think are some practical ways we can grow deeper into repentance during this? Probably the most traditional practice of Lent um, that many people would have heard of is you know you give up something for Lent, right? Um, somebody might say, where does that come from? Why do we do that? It's connected to the idea of sacrifice. Mm. Generally, the idea is there may be something that is in a certain stream of my life Mm -hmm. that I am going to endeavor to give up for the 40 days. As Christ has made the sacrifice for us, one way to identify with that sacrifice is that we are going to seek to make some kind of a sacrifice. And the way that generally parlays in the modern world is, I'm going to give up something, right? So in today's time frame, lots of people will say, I'm giving up social media for Lent. Other people will say things like, I'm giving up drinking alcohol for Lent. I'm giving up desserts for Lent, you know, this kind of thing. Red meat. Whatever it is, right? right? Um, And so that's one practice. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another one that could be very meaningful, because we're talking about 40 days, if you've ever really tried to enter into a Lenten practice, 
At the beginning, you think 40 days, that's not very long. And then <laughs> 20 days in, you're like, wow, this is a long time. <laughs> but it's not forever. I think sometimes uh, a very meaningful thing to do might be to create a Lenten journal. Mm, that's good. Um, so the idea would be just just number your pages like one through 40. Right. Um, and make it a bit of a uh, prayer journal. I like that. And... Literally, you just start and say, Lord, today is Ash Wednesday. It's the first day of Lent. I confess my sin to you, and I ask for your forgiveness and ask for your grace. And would you help me receive the joy and the gift of that grace? And as I embark on this 40-day journey, would you guide me and be with me and help me grow closer to you? Like, Amen. Amen. Like that's your day one entry, something like that. Then you just come to day two. And I think what would happen is as you keep a 40-day Lenten journal or diary, um, I think you find some very, very meaningful things happening. And in a very beautiful way, in my opinion, after Easter is concluded— and we've got the other side of the resurrection perspective, Mm -hmm. it would be really interesting and meaningful to go back and read my 40-day Lenten journal. That's good. I think other things are, there are are Lenten devotionals out there. Mm -hmm. There are devotional books that are like 40 days. Yep. Um, Another way to do it, or you could connect this into that prayer journal, each of the 40 days... um, of Lent, just add a sort of one-sentence prayer that is connecting your heart to what Jesus has done for you. Mm, That's really good. So it could be anything as simple as, Jesus, thank you for suffering for me. Mm. Um, Another one could be, Jesus, today, I'm thinking about you and your perfect obedience. Right. You just write a simple sentence like that. We're talking about 40 days. That'd be like 40 simple sentences. For people that want to grow spiritually, these kinds of practices can become very meaningful. Yeah. And then, of course, there are, there are a handful of basic books that I've read over the years that mm-hmm. dovetail with this time. One of my favorites, if people are inclined to pursue them, Henry Nowen, people will probably know, is one of my favorites. He writes simple content. By that, I mean it's deep and meaningful, but it's uncomplicated in the way he presents it. One of my favorite books that he wrote is called Can You Drink from the Cup? Mm. And it matches into the season of Lent in a very, very meaningful way. So a handful of thoughts that come to mind. Those are good. Are you are you thinking of any practices that you would be doing um, or giving up for Lent if you're open to sharing? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Um, I will uh, probably be uh, journaling and praying in a in a certain kind of Lenten direction. Um, from my seat, I have the privilege of being able to look forward to different sermons and different things that will be coming along in this season. 
So I know that I will be getting my head in the game, particularly in this direction. Yeah. Um, and I spent pretty much the full week, two weeks ago, uh, in in preparation on the cross and what happened on the cross. And I think we'll talk about that in another podcast. Um, Seeking my way of describing this would be seeking intimacy with Christ would be my goal. Now back to what we said a little bit ago. Well, wouldn't that always be your goal? (laughs) Yes. But Lent raises that question in particularly meaningful ways. As I as I think of this in terms of the word repentance, so so when I when I think of of an individual going through the forty days of repentance, I also think of them growing deeper in their spiritual walk towards holiness. So, at the end of the forty days, I would think that yeah, you ha- this this individual have grown. Mm-hmm. deeper into holiness but mm-hmm. but also they will continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So what are what are some ways I guess if we're if we're thinking about holiness, mm-hmm. right? And um thinking about ourselves less mm-hmm. and God more. Mm-hmm. When I think of just as a Christian and growing deeper in your your walk in in faith, Mm-hmm. How can we continue to live in the season of repentance to grow even deeper in holiness? So, so let me let me re- <clears throat> rephrase this. I- I'm trying to think of not allowing the season of Lent to be the time where we just reflect in terms of the state of repentance. How how can we live this this lifestyle year round? Okay, you just asked a lot, right? <laughs> I did. You asked a lot. I did. And and you've used words that I think are beautiful and important and they're kind of old school. Mm-hmm. I w- I would love if they were so old school that they were back round again. Mm. Um you know, holiness is not something that a lot of Christians in the year 2023 are thinking about. That's true. Um, the most beautiful, richest Christian words and concepts will always be doorways to joy. Mm. But I think a lot of people hear certain words and it creates an emotional reaction mm. and maybe a sort of reaction of negativity. Okay. And so people avoid them. Yeah. Um, so the word holiness, um, the more we grow, not in legalism, not in performance, not in judgmentalism, not in self-righteousness, those are all uh, counterfeit knockoffs that come in this terrain. Holiness, the, the, the closest um, the closest synonym I can think of to holiness is beauty. But when I say beauty, I mean an extraordinarily beautiful inspiration. Okay? Um, But you can't let go of the moral perfectness that's behind it. Right. So we're not just talking about something that looks pretty. Moral perfectness 
saturates it. Mm. Of course, now the it is God. Right. Um, I think that we live in a superficial culture. Pop culture in America is shallow. It doesn't feed our souls meaning and depth. And I, I think our I think our souls, I think God made our souls hungry for meaning and for depth. I could agree. And so in a shallow culture, our souls are suffering. Mm. And I think um, a certain amount of the depression and anxiety and other things is is our souls suffering in the shallows. Mm. And um, Lent invites us to deeper places. And when we say deep, I don't mean heavy. I don't mean weighty. I don't mean morose. Uh-huh. Um, I mean um, places that have fiber and and rich content. Yeah, I think our souls are hungry for this. And Lent may be that time of year that opens the door in this direction for us more than any other, which is why I think it's worth talking about. I think our souls are really, really hungry for meaning and depth. And Lent is an invitation to meaning and depth, among other things. So holiness, as we're saying, it's a word full of meaning. Yeah. I feel some reticence in using it because I think a lot of people in our culture think it's about heaviness and it's about prohibitiveness and it's yeah. about finger wagging and yep. self-righteousness. Yep. And we think of words like holier than thou. Holier than thou, yeah. And yet in the Bible, as, as I had mentioned about beauty, Holiness and beauty are are connected, Mm -hmm. but here's what I think is really important. A person who is truly holy will be a person who is one of the most joyful people you've ever met, because holiness is going to be the result of closeness to God, Mm. and God's perfect character of holiness is also full of joy. Yes. So sometimes when people hear the word holy or holiness, I think it sounds, you know, sort of punitive, weighty, dark right. ages kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, hellfire and brimstone preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not holiness. That's punitive legalism. Yes. And that's not a biblical picture of what we're talking about when I'm hoping people might grasp repentance and Lent. And so to me, then... Um, a person who's truly holy, yep. not self-righteous, not holier than thou, truly holy, meaning very close to God, mm-hmm. will be one of the most joyful people you've ever met. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We hope this episode was encouraging to you. You can find the Hopecast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast app. If you would like to know more about Hope Church and our ministries here in Richmond, Virginia, you can visit hopechurchrva.com.